I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Utah Puck Report. I'm your host, Jay Stevens. Very special guest today. We have Morgan. Say your last name for me. Marietti. Marietti. And that's how I would have think I would have pronounced it. That's how it looks. And uh, you and I have crossed paths like, I don't know, 8 million times, but never officially met until today. Yeah. So thanks for coming on the show. Yeah. There's a, you've got a, you've got a cool story. You've got a lot of stuff going on. Um, and we want to hear all about it. So uh, first off, tell me, how did you get into hockey? Yeah. I am started playing hockey when I was five years old. So I grew up, I have one older brother. Uh, his name is Zach. He um, became a rink rat really early on in life. And we had one uncle that played ice hockey in high school up in Ogden, Utah. And um, Zach wanted to follow in his footsteps. So jumped right on the ice and fell in love with it. Um, four or five years later, I came around and started to hang out at the, ra- the rink as well, became a rink rat. And my first uh, pair of skates were figure skates. Oh. The way the story goes uh, that I'm told is um, my sassy five-year-old self just wasn't taking it and wanted to do exactly what my brother was doing and my uncle. And um, jumped out on the ice, got those figure skates on, hated it, took them right off, threw them in the garbage, played hockey ever since. Perfect. That's what I like to hear. That's what should be done with figure skates. But, you know, <laughs> I know I'm going to get some hate mail about that, but yeah. Um, all right, so that's cool, and you played organized hockey. I did, yeah. I grew up playing in Golden Spike, so I uh, grew up at the ice sheet. Um, back back then, um, did not have any opportunities to play on an all-girls team until um, about my Bantam years. Yeah. It was about the time when girls hockey really kind of hit the ground here in Utah, Um thankful to lots of individuals who really spearheaded the girls hockey movement in the state and uh, my parents had a large um, playing in that as well and, and grateful for them for to step up because my journey and until that time frame of about 13 14 years old was um in the co-ed environment right and I absolutely loved my experience growing up in the sport of ice hockey it was by far my favorite sport multi-sport athlete loved playing um, any type of team sport, competitive by nature, but really fell in love with hockey. And I think it's just one of the main reasons I fell in love with it is um, just how unique it is and the autonomy that you get within the sport, but yet you're achieving a goal as a team. And it had my heart from the beginning. So playing in the co-ed environment um, was one that I personally thrived in, but I know that not every female does. And 
And that's part of my reason for starting the team up at the university is that we um, now have the opportunity to continue to provide an all-female atmosphere for these girls to play the sport so well what, beyond high school. What year was this that you were so – what were years were your Bantam years? Oh, early 2000s. Early 2000s, okay. Yep. I'm trying to I'm trying to put that all together because yeah it took a long time to seem to to get women's teams here and then and we've talked about it on here before um, there would be you know there'd be an all women's team but it'd have like a 14 year old in net oh and yeah and like the first line would be all 21 year olds so <laughs> there really wasn't a, there really wasn't a good place for a, a female to go play and develop yeah and granted you play and, and develop co-ed mm-hmm. but there's got to be and I'm I'm guessing, and I've seen it with my daughter a little bit, but there's a, you're not always included in everything, and then you miss the locker room speeches oh, a yeah. lot of times. A lot of coaches now realize, okay, everybody get dressed, and then we bring the girls into the locker room as well, and then then we have the chalk talk, and then we have the stuff. But for a long time, it was not it was not that way. Like I said, I, I've seen that with my my daughter. Um, she grew up like a pretty aggressive athlete too, and. Uh, it was it was tough, and then I realized that as a coach though too, because I there were times that I'd coach, and there'd be I'd have you know it started with one, and then I'd have multiple mm-hmm. females on my travel teams, and and uh, you you just sometimes you would say something in the locker room, you're like, man, that was a whole the whole team needed to hear that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have the same impact if now I got to go tell the girls separately. Yeah, and that so besides that, are there other things that were like maybe holding back a female in, at that time mm-hmm. period besides the talk and stuff like that? Or was do you feel like you were included in with the team? Mm-hmm. Or did they accept you? You know, that's interesting to think about. Um, I definitely was impacted by that. I think every female who played in the co-ed environment in one way, shape, or form had situations throughout the year where they weren't included in the team talk or were five minutes late to the off-ice warm-up just because they simply weren't informed because they were getting dressed in the bathroom 20 feet away or whatever. And so those nuances um, were a challenge then. They still are for many girls um, out West who um, have to or would like to play in the co-ed environment. Um, Many reasons why females are choosing to do so. Some there just isn't the opportunity and others, um, like in my case, really enjoyed it for the most part. Um, So I would say... Those were the biggest factors, but definitely you have just just changes in the um, social setting between males and females at those early years of development. Um, that change over time from your might and squirt years, those are more friendships and definitely everyone's out there to have a good time. It's like that four-year-old who was mic'd up. <laughs> I just always think of those days <laughs> yeah. um, just being so much fun and yeah. having a great experience. And then Getting older and the competitive nature really coming out and um, just changes in general between male and females um, definitely played a, played a role. And yeah, I see sure. that with girls now looking at um, just at the data from USA Hockey. We see a significant drop off of girls ages 12 to 16. And those years are so pivotal in life and in sport. And so um, for me as a coach at the college level, being cognizant of the fact that we still today in 2019 have this dropout rate that we were seeing 10, 20 years ago. Like, what can we be doing to change that? And I really think it comes back to coaching from the heart. And when I think of my experiences on the co-ed environment, um, 
I was able to thrive in, in the ways that I did in my hockey career due to the coaches that really coached from the heart right. and had every player's um, best interest in mind. So you played high school? Uh, I played high school, but my journey kind of took a turn from Utah after my Bantam years. Um, and I chose to go away to prep school at that time. Oh, okay. Navigating the hockey waters was a, a bit interesting. Yeah, for sure. Um, internet was not what it is today. Uh-huh. Really difficult coming from a non-hockey family to understand the lay of the land. So what prep school did you go to? Uh, to the World Hockey Center in Orangeville, just outside of Toronto. Oh, okay. Yeah, so took off there at um, 16, actually. And that was my first time really out of state. I had done a couple of years back and forth with the Colorado Selects. And that was my first experience in kind of that all-girls competitive atmosphere. And really, really enjoyed um, the competitiveness of an all-girls kind of AAA experience at U14. But the travel and not being with your team 24-7 was a different experience. And then um, realizing if I really wanted to, to go and play hockey um make more of a career than just my high school years, I needed to go away to prep school at that point in time. I don't necessarily agree with that being the case for every athlete in today's world. Yeah. And um, that's what we keep preaching that here. We keep trying, well, we're hoping as it's funny that it's taken, well, it's not funny, but it's taken 50, 60 years of hockey here for us finally to say, you know what, let's, let's really focus on keeping kids here and having opportunities to play on. Yeah. Because, man, it was, we were, uh, Adam Bartholomew, who was a coach here, when we first started talking about having a podcast, I said, what should we call a Utah hockey podcast? And he said, the road to Colorado. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. that's, because that's. <laughs> Still that's, happening Yeah, today. that's pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. And for, for some people, it was the road, like, you went, you did the Colorado thing yeah. and then you did the Canada thing. And it's, it is tough and you have to make. At some point, you have to make that decision. Like, if if I want to be a hockey player, I can't do it in Utah, or at least you you couldn't. There are there are opportunities now, and now obviously mm-hmm. there are for women as well. But so you you go to prep school, and you did you go to college after that? Great question. Yeah, and and this is what I love about my journey. Um, prep school uh, wasn't for me. Um, as much as I loved my experience, one of my very best friends to this day. Um, I met away at prep school and hockey brings people all around the world together. And I love that. But um, prep school really that it was a hard point in life of being on the ice multiple times a day. You eat, breathe, sleep, hockey. Um, And for me, like I said earlier, being a multi-sport athlete, I have very much have my father's personality. Love, love, love to be in any sort of social setting. Um, I was pretty burnt out by the end of that experience. And and even though I was burnt out, I had made a commitment to go to a D3 college, uh, Utica, in upstate New York. Oh, yeah. And um, ultimately, long story, semi-short, um, chose to stay home. And boy, am I grateful I did. Um, at the time, being 18 and listening to my intuition and making that choice, I didn't quite understand what that meant. And how that was going to affect me for the rest of my life. But there was something inside me that didn't feel like it was the right thing for me to be uprooted from my family once again, to be far away from home 
and really honestly at a school that didn't even support what I wanted to go into. Oh, yeah. Um, and that was something along the lines of the medical field at the time. I had my master's in public health, but was pursuing all of my options at that point. And this, the school didn't even offer it. So here I was going to make this outrageous financial commitment as well as um, really suffering in my academic pursuits, which was really my my strength. I was a committed student um, to go play hockey. And um, I'm really proud that I made the decision to listen to my intuition at that point. Man, that takes a lot for – and that's another thing we talk about on the show a lot. At, at 18 years old, you've got to make these huge decisions mm-hmm. and uh, – you know, I did the prep school route as well, and it didn't work for me, not because, you know, I was excited about the hockey yeah. multiple times, and I was I, I played multiple sports as well, which I don't talk about very often, but I played two other sports while I was there, but the main thing that got in the way for me was the actual school. They, mm-hmm. they apparently wanted you to be good at school, too, and I wasn't ready for that. I wanted to play <laughs> hockey and, uh-huh. and not focus on school, but they took that pretty serious, and then the fact that they wanted 18 grand a year, yeah, which uh, that was a little tough at the time, but, mm-hmm. um, but now you're 18, and you're like, oh everybody's got to be telling you, okay, well, you've got a path here. Here's hockey. And hockey is going to pay for summer school. I don't know if it's a full ride or whatever, mm-hmm. but it's hard. And we just, there's a kid at the U now that had an opportunity to go play. Yeah. And at some point you just got to say, look, if, if it's not right, if it's not your time to go play NCAA, because mm-hmm. that's such a commitment. Yeah. And a lot of parents don't understand that part either because as a parent, you put your kid into it and you're like, go play, go play our goal is college, you know, and that's, I would say for men, most dads are having their kid go in their, their goals in the NHL. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then you say your goal is college for your kid and to, for them to get there. And now you've got the pressure of, you've got an offer, you've got coaches wanting you, but your parents have to be kind of saying, Hey, go that route. It's yeah. Go live there. It's tough. It's in New York, whatever, but yeah. take it. But you, it's it's good that you had the, you know, the capacity at eighteen to follow your heart and your intuition, as you said, and mm-hmm. man, just being smart enough to make those decisions. Because I didn't, mm-hmm. and I I chased hockey to horrible places, and you know, obviously that makes us who we are. Yeah. But it's so tough at eighteen to make those decisions, and and that's what I want people to understand is that part of it is that we put all the pressure on our kids, and we want them to do this stuff, and at some point you got to let them make their decision and if you're if you're a young hockey player and you're listening to this and you feel like you have an opportunity but it doesn't feel like it's right for you then to make that choice because you've done really well for yourself Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and some people would have been like oh she's making a lifetime just mistake oh yeah but it's not a mistake yeah it's you know everybody's got their own path Mm -hmm. so you you uh you don't play hockey do you go to the u to get your undergrad i yeah chose to stay home um ended up at the u I was a service learning scholar at the university, which essentially means you commit um, 400 hours of community service along with your undergraduate degree. And that was something that just spoke to my soul. Um, I loved, loved, loved giving back to my community. And one of the first ways I was able to do so is through coaching. Um, Really? My dad had been a longtime coach, um, coached at the Utah Lady Grizzlies for several years. I had played in that association, which is still up and running today, um, for some of my time when I was here in Utah, but was always inspired inspired by the type of coach that he was and his ability to connect to so many people through the sport. He actually never played. 
and um, yet was very successful in so many ways. And, and he can't step foot in the rink today without somebody coming up and giving him a big old bear hug. That's awesome. And so that really, um, through the service learning scholars opportunity at the university, committing my um, undergraduate years to community service. As is that well. still an option? It still is an option. And I would love to talk to anyone who's interested, not only at the University of Utah, but it's a, um, a nationwide program. Really? Um, in 400 such a, hours total yep. in four years? 400, four years. Um, a lot of hands-on experience in the job world. Uh, which is great for setting your your resume up for success when you enter um, into the workforce. And not only that, but it, I was able to figure out what I wanted to do, try things on without having to waste class time to do so yeah. um, through internships and other community hours. What an awesome! I honestly had never heard of that. What an awesome opportunity, and what a great way to learn. Yeah, yeah, learn what you like to do, um, get you in uncomfortable situations as far as. Um, for me, teaching young students how to read was not something I was super comfortable with. Um, I could get out on the ice and coach them all day long, but right. to sit and really um, teach them vocabulary and how to um, get through something like literature, that was a challenge for me at 18. And so having those experiences, being able to try that on, I think helped me excel just as a human being. And it also helped to expose me to what I really wanted in uh, in my life, in my jobs, in my career path, in my community support, and then ultimately with coaching as well. That's very cool. And it seems like it all ties in together. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah. Okay. So you go through all that, you become, you know, a successful master's yeah. having <laughs> student and uh, you're you're on your career and then all of a sudden you get, you're, you're pulled back into coaching. Yeah. I'd never... Never could have uh, dreamt that my cards were going to play out this way in the the sense of finding that passion again through coaching. And so often I hear from other females, mostly just because that's the world I live in is female athletics, but um, just anyone in the rink in particular. I think at one point we all hit that burnout phase um, of just kind of being done with the rink for a little while. And I definitely hit that after... Um, after my prep school years and then making the decision to stay home. Like you said, I definitely had folks who were like, oh, no, you're making the wrong decision. Um, But you you just have to let that go and and stay true to who you are. I'd be that guy saying that, too. I just I'm going to own up to it because every time somebody walks away from it, I'm like, no, don't do it. You're going to regret it. Uh, I've given my son the line that I was given that uh, you only get so many games in this life, and it's up to you. You take away from those games. And – I wholeheartedly believed in that until probably the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. I see, and honestly, I even people that were like, had the opportunity to go play pro. And I'm like, why wouldn't yeah. you take that? Why wouldn't you go play for the Utah Grizzlies? And I, guys would walk away from, you know, a contract offer from the Grizzlies. And, and they're like, no, because in the long run of my life, I got, you know, I've got bigger things to do mm-hmm. and uh, make more money or do this. Like hockey was a big part of my building blocks, but now now it's time that I leave hockey and go do these other things. I, mm-hmm. I was always blown away by that. and uh, But now I get it. I get it a little bit more now that I've, I'm trying to help, you know, other people see their options. Yeah. And uh, these kids, you said like with your dad, part of being a coach is you, you raise these kids. Yeah. You're, uh, you're the other person in their life for years. And I have kids calling me and saying, hey, what should I do? 
And instead of just always saying go play hockey, I I honestly stop and think about it. What should what what would be this best thing for him? And a lot of times it's not the hockey route. A lot of times it's you know doing the adult thing and going out and not playing the game and mm-hmm. getting a better degree and moving on with your life or whatever it is. Yeah. So it's cool that you're called back into the game. Yeah. And uh, tell us how this all happened. Yeah. So called back into the game. Went went to a couple of coaching clinics. Um found that flame again and just got really excited um, to jump in. Started coaching with the Utah Lady Grizzlies um, program for a little while and then saw the need at the younger age group. Um, realizing the Utah Lady Grizzlies have, have done and are continuing to do a great job at those older ages, uh, U16 and above. At the time, we didn't have, this is about 2007, um, we still didn't have options for those young no. Morgans, those little girls who are still playing in an all-boys environment. And I'll tell you what, as, like we started at the beginning, I, I really enjoyed that co-ed atmosphere, but there is nothing, nothing that compares to that team com- uh, camaraderie, that bond you have with each other. And no. you don't get that when you're not playing with the same gender. It just is not always there. I can totally get that. And so I wanted, I saw that need and and wanted to get that going um, for those younger girls and not only to support the the older program to build that pipeline essentially, but to keep them in the sport. Um, I did my master's on the resiliency theory in sports and was really intrigued by that burnout rate and seeing those athletes at their peak development phase, 14 to 16 years old, for females primarily, that's peak development. And yet we're seeing them, the attrition rate just drop, drop, drop. People dropping out of the sport left and right. Yeah. Mel's too, though. That's yeah. that's the same age group for Mel's, and they thought it was because of contact. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you think that plays a part for the women as well? Um, Are they being put into contact? I don't even know. Yeah, not, not put into contact just because the girls' game is always um, – contact free necessarily okay. body checking um but more i think just from a maturation standpoint and maturity right. um those being critical development years um as human beings and so started uh, the lady lightning program with shannon schmidt yeah. um at salt lake county and um was successful in that for about seven years before stepping away and and turning that over, they've now combined with the Lady Grizzlies, and this is their first season as one that's where we unified still, organization. That's where we first, like, where I first started hearing your name a lot, is because I would have your goalies during the summer, and then I would hear stuff about you or about the program or whatever, yeah. and then send your goalies back to you because we get, we'd get it was crazy because they're the towards the last few years of my camp, I would have five or six girl goalies yeah. every summer. So neat. At the beginning, it was one. It was mm-hmm. Cami. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it, like it took a long time for us to build that up like that. Yeah. So that's cool. And that's probably, you know, part because of what you're doing. Yeah. It's so neat to see these girls um, falling in love with the sport just as much or even more than I I did um, in my adolescent and youth years. And um, we did a, just one quick story. We did a, a all girls um, environment at the end of the season last year. It was a U12 practice. But we invited all the U10 and U8 girls from the county league out with us. Um, half sheet of ice, an hour of ice time. And um, to see those 12-year-olds be mentors to those 10 and 8-year-olds yeah. 
and vice versa, those eight-year-olds to look up to those 12-year-olds was just absolutely priceless. And um, it was funny after practice. One, we couldn't get them off the ice. And two, um, at the end of the session, we had the all the girls, didn't matter their age, kind of sitting in a circle planning their next ice session. Cool. And seeing how much fun they had. It was the end of the season, so we didn't have any ice. And unfortunately, their plans for Saturday could not come to oh, fruition. Yeah. But needless to say, the energy, the excitement, just seeing these girls respond and react in ways that their parents, their coaches hadn't seen all year. And yet to see that same flame just reignite within their soul um, was so neat. And it inspires me every day, even at this college level, of the why, of the bigger purpose behind what we're doing um, for these girls, for these women, and for them to be successful out in the community. I was telling AJ last week that uh, I, I stopped off at Pure Hockey, and when I walked in, there were three girls, three separate, like there was a little girl and her mom were there buying mm-hmm. gear, and it was so much fun to watch her go and, and want different sticks and, you know, looking at all the gloves, and then there was a, a girl probably in her 20s, and then there was a girl probably in her 40s buying gear. Yeah. And then and me, that's the first time in my life that it's been, you know, I was the only male in the shop and it was so cool. It was like, I, I love the fact that the game was growing that way and it's so cool. All right. So now the university announces that they're going to have a, a team. Did you, were you behind that or did you come in later? So uh, kind of simultaneously, I had stepped away from coaching and my life had, had kind of gone a different route and went through marriage, went through divorce, but through that process, stepped away from the rink. Um, and in in coming back to, to who I was and what my purpose was um, in this world, I was itching for a way to get back into the rink. Um, we were on a trip to Europe, actually, and um, just was feeling called to get back in the rink and, and to give back and was just pondering that whole trip of what what my next journey was going to be and and where I wanted to go with the game and how I could give back in in the biggest, brightest way. And um, upon returning home, um, received a phone call from AJ about um, his aspirations to start, expand the Utah hockey program at the university and um, add in this women's team and um, immediately felt like that was the answer. Um, and what what I wanted to do and and what needed to be done next um, for girls hockey in our state. And I'm I'm telling you, we're two weeks in and um, couldn't be more honored to be leading this ship and um, serving as the guide as we're building out this legacy for years to come. Not only are the girls incredible that we have um, within our program, but seeing the opportunities to inspire, to um, educate the community on girls hockey and in that the fact that it's even a sport um, yeah. it's kind of funny but living in Utah hockey's so small in some ways still that people are like what girls hockey and they often say field hockey and then the next one I get is <laughs> roller wow. hockey say like, no ice and then they say when's your season starting we want to come to every one of your games oh and that's cool so yeah the opportunity is so much bigger than than any one of us but did you have the opportunity to really recruit and to go out and, and track down some players recruiting was tough uh, so we're starting this season a little slim yeah. um but nonetheless most of my girls are from out of state okay. um a handful of in-state uh recruits but most are coming from um surrounding states we have folks from California, Colorado, uh, Minnesota, Washington State, um, 
And that was all done with a $0 recruiting budget. Right. So is the school giving you any money for this? They are not. We are a club sport um, versus an NCAA. So right. we're playing within the American Collegiate Hockey Association. So no. the money comes all out of the girls' pockets. All the, paid to play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing a lot of people don't know. And now you got to get on a, you got to start marching and saying, "Hey, we need, uh, we need sponsors." Yep, yep. We all of our girls are paying to play um, this season. We have several girls who have worked all summer long because. Hockey has touched their soul just as it has mine, and they want to be a part of this. They want to be a part of the legacy. They want to be um, a member of this team, this organization on campus. It really is a family, as we know. The sport of Mm -hmm. hockey innately, instantly becomes your family. And um, multiple girls this season have just worked their tail feathers off to, to make this successful and the way we can help them with that is absolutely corporate sponsors and, and donations coming into the sport. Um, every ice session, it's not like soccer where you have a field of grass it's to go play 200 on. bucks an hour. Yep. Every single day yeah. that we're on the ice, um, minimum costs, let alone our travel. We're going as far as Missouri this year. And you were saying that you might have to bust to Missouri. Yeah. Um, weighing our options. I mean, cost-benefit analysis, we, we first and foremost um, – we thrive off of our purpose at Utah Hockey, and that's to excel in the classroom, on the ice, and in the community. And to excel in the classroom, we have to keep these students um, top of mind when we're looking to pull them out of their academic courses for right. multiple days of travel. Right. Um, flight would definitely be preferred. Um, all comes down to money and support. But the support of within the community thus far, being a first-year program, um, I have to say I am beyond great, grateful um, for those that have stepped up and are supporting us, whether that's financially or simply coming to practice and offering assistance with different uh, specialties that they may have as a, a fellow coach in the community, or even social media, um, letting folks around the, the country, around the world know by sharing, retweeting, um, that we're around and that we are here uh, to make a, a loud noise and and to be a successful program at Utah Hockey. So how do we find this? What's your website? Yeah, so utahhockey.com. Yep. Um, the website will take you to both men's and women's programs. Um, and you can also find our schedule there. We start mid-October with games. We're practicing now, getting ready for our first um, inaugural season. And uh, we'll, we'll go October through December, take a break, um, same with the school schedule, and then we pick back up again January through March, making our run um, for the national tournament in Dallas the end of March. That's cool. So um, the website, you have you have a Facebook page. Yep. You have a, a very active goaltender on, on social media. <laughs> she seems to post all the time. I'm going to have her on the show too. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so th- these things are helping you grow. We want to we want to help you grow as well. I'm excited. Like I I really am excited to see this. And um, I, I got to see a lot of uh, really good female hockey, women's hockey, um, in the past. Like with yeah. with other colleges, I got to see at, at North Dakota when Cami was coaching there. Yeah. I, I followed that quite a bit. And uh, it was it's it's really the. I mean, you watch those U.S. Canada games, and those it's so it's becoming physical. You say it was. You say it's. You know, no contact. But those games are definitely contact. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And, and the passion behind it, the fan base that's behind it now, and I, I say it, it's just like the U.S. Women's National Team for soccer. Like, people are getting behind it. And the more mm-hmm. teams that are like this, yeah, you might be starting out thin this year, 
But now that people know that you're here, there are going to be young women and high school seniors that see this as a huge opportunity for them. And just like with the boys, we've had so many girls that got good that are playing at other universities now. And we've, we've talked about if, you know, playing NCAA Division three doesn't always come with a full ride scholarship and you play at a school that's tuition is sixty dollars to $80,000, or you could pl- stay here and still play the game you love and get a degree from the University of Utah and play ACHA and still have a ton of fun yep. and not be in as much debt when you're done or maybe not in any debt. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. What an opportunity. Oh, yeah. I'm so excited about it. I look back at my own journey, and that's the athlete I am um, and always was at heart. Wanted to play the game, play at a super high level, and be competitive. Like you said, the game is still very physical. It is very fast. And the ACHA we're playing in the women's division one level within um, absolutely no joke. It is so much fun to be a part of. And yet these girls still get to to be who they are, um, be their unique selves, do what they want to do on campus. Um, multiple girls within the medical field um, studying studying in rigorous career paths engineering engineering um you name it we have it architect uh architecture is another one but that's what acha hockey is um to me what i tell every parent and every um aspiring athlete is find the right path for you you may be that division one or division three ncaa athlete but you may also be a college somebody in college who wants to do multiple things you want to put academics top of mind and not that you can't at division one or division three but you are an athlete as well and the demands are quite rigorous and acha helps to provide that balance in so many ways and couldn't be more thrilled to not only start this program at the university of utah but to help other programs around the western states um evolve and, and bring their programs to light too because we're absolutely stronger together um, not only as just hockey players, but in the women's hockey world. Um, like I said, we're we're traveling significant distances this this fall, and if we have more teams out west, not only does that cut down on travel costs, it builds our Western Women's Hockey League. It also helps for more girls to continue to, to play the game um, well into their adulthood and as they enter into their careers. That's awesome. Okay, well, that's great. So, uh, if you're if you're looking for a way to sponsor, or you you want to uh, look at the schedule, you want to look at the roster and see who these girls are, and uh, yeah, just go check them out. I, I guarantee I'm going to be at a ton of the games. It's uh, UniversityUtahHockey.com. Yep. It's a great website. Utah our, Hockey. Sorry. Oh man, I knew I was going to mess up. <laughs> Josh, our producer, was telling AJ last week. He was just like, "Man, this is one of the best websites that I've seen around here. It really is. You guys have done an outstanding job. You're uh, it's first class organization all the way through." And we're excited for the season. So thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. And if you're looking for more hockey, you want to follow the Utah Puck Report. It's super simple. Just jump on kslsports.com and look for podcasts right there. If you're looking for an even easier way, tough to say, but easy to do, uh, just text the word puck to 57500. And just like that, you're subscribed to this podcast. And uh, we're looking forward to the University of Utah hockey, even though, you know, I'm I'm a Weber State grad, but I did <laughs> I did play a season and a half at the U when I was there getting my my uh, EMT. That's actually what I got okay. there. Which Good. actually I have a degree in criminology that does nothing for me, and I have an EMT certification from the U that I use to make a living. So the U is an awesome place to be. And uh, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you. And that's it for the Utah Puck Report.